I change diapers. I cook. She might mow the yard. It ain't rocket science. She likes mowing the yard. I like cooking. Matt and Woody Experiment, episode number 151. Woody, we've talked a lot about kind of how, like, as our country, we're struggling with our own identity quite a bit. Allow me just a minute to kind of lay out things that have happened here lately. So, we have canceled Aunt Jemima. I think now that's the, the Pearl Milling Company. We've uh, had to redo Mrs. Butters, Mrs. Buttersworth. I guess Mrs. Buttersworth is just too damn sexy. <laughs> we can't, we can't have people thinking impure thoughts about Mrs. Buttersworth. She was, uh, you know, had to cancel her. She was too fine. Dixie Beer, the Dixie Chicks, like those are examples. We can't even have titles of things that even might vaguely make you think. Of something racial. Dixie Chick's got to change their name. Dixie Beer's got to change its name. The Land of Lakes, you know, the Land of Lakes people, they had to get rid of that Native American connotation. Even Disney. Peter Pan, Dumbo, the aristocrats, all these things come with warning labels. And I guess I find that backdrop, all that stuff we got to first, that's what we put as the priority Meanwhile, up in Oregon, there's something called Swastika Mountain. (laughs) There's a whole damn mountain called Swastika Mountain that we're just now getting around to. Uh, How do we miss Swastika Mountain all this time? Don't don't it seem like that maybe somebody should have noticed that there was a whole landmass that uh, we needed to cancel first? The article says that due to its remote location that uh, the name has largely gone unnoticed until now. Uh, And I think recently this year, uh, two hikers got stranded on the mountain and had to be rescued. So the mountain came to the forefront of the news and some, and just one person, one person was like, Hey, maybe, maybe we, we don't need to use that name for the mountain. Um, but I think the bigger story here is, did it go unnoticed, or were there a ton of people that knew about it? Because as I'm reading through this article and reading the story, it's like, hey, so this lady said, we probably need to change the name. Who do I need to contact? And so she's contacting these different historical societies and geological naming societies, and the executives at these places are like, you know what, that's a good point. I had no idea there was a mountain named this. Like, they're kind of wiping their hands of the situation. Like, yeah, I had no idea this was happening, even though it's under my purview. Uh, You doubt the purity of these people who are claiming, hey, I knew nothing about Swastika Mountain. I would never tolerate a mountain named Swastika Mountain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think they're just sitting back and like, Oh, no one's ever going to bring this up. Let's not deal with the paperwork on this. It is too remote for anybody to really uh, notice. But we know. We know. I'm glad that we found out about Swastika Mountain because I got to feel like Swastika Mountain might need to go in front of Mrs. Buttersworth. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oregon's supposed to be a beautiful place, you know? I don't know. It doesn't—Swastika Mountain surely don't seem to align— 
with the Oregon people's values, I wouldn't think. Uh, I I kind of feel like uh, if there's a if there's a mountain that needs canceling, it might be Swastika you, Mountain. You put that at the top of the list. I'm not sure. I'm not sure really what progress that we're making a lot of times, but I feel like if we're gonna do a renaming uh, a renaming thing, Swastika Mountain might be all right place to start. <laughs> Just maybe. So, so the background on this one is that the mountain was named after a nearby town that was established in the early 1900s before the Nazis adapted the, the, the symbol of the swastika. So, uh, as you know, like it, it did not have a bad connotation before then. And uh, the article did not say anything about the nearby town. I don't know if the town ever got renamed or or what, but the, the mountain stuck. The mountain is still called Swastika Mountain. I felt like the article kind of laid out why that it was making the point that there's kind of a innocent origins story of Swastika Mountain. Innocent origin story, yeah. I, I'd say that's accurate, but it's there now, and... It has a different meaning now, uh, I, I think the article goes on to say. Now, the interesting thing is, if you go try to find Swastika Mountain on Google Maps, like everybody that's listening right now, go to Google Maps and start typing in Swastika. Gosh, yeah. All of you just came up on the terror list. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Biden and Kamala are watching you guys now. Y'all, y'all might be MAGA supporters and domestic <laughs> terrorists before you get through typing swastika. Do it on someone else's phone. I'm gonna run the risk. I'm probably already. I'm probably already on a list somewhere for my controversial views. Uh, swastika. So the mountain. the pure amount of autofills that I got with just typing in swastika. Was amazing. <laughs> like, th- there's there's towns in New York, upstate New York, Swastika, New York. Uh, there's lakes called Swastika Lake, Swastika Mine in Arizona. Like, this seems to be a popular term nationwide, and we had no clue until this 81-year-old woman brought it up. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is relevant or not, uh, but uh, I typed in Swastika Mountain to Google Maps, and I got reviews. It's only a 4.4, which is all right, but not great, okay? It looks pretty enough in the pictures. And one of the reviews, Jason Kunda said, The mountain was cool, but he was greeted by a very angry man with a funny mustache. Also, I wouldn't go to the showers if I were you. (laughs) So I don't know what happened to Jason in Swastika Mountain, but... uh, it's not. That's not a glowing review, you know. That's not what you put on Yelp. That, that is not a five star experience, right there. If you wanted to see Swastika Mountain in Oregon, but you don't want to go and risk being called a bigot, uh, I'm looking at a 3D view right now off the side of a ravine. Uh, Ama- amazing, amazing. And what's also amazing, like I was pointing out, the the many different places. In America, that probably could use a new name. Like, do you know we have a Sugar Tit Kentucky? Sugar Tit Kentucky? No, I didn't know that. I'm disappointed I've never been there. We have a Sugar Tit Kentucky. Like, uh, I found that one a while back, and it's like, how did that stay around? 
Who fought for that one? There's some patriots that said, no, we're proud of our town. This is sugar tit, damn it. And uh, we'll always be sugar tit, you know. And then scene, there's sunlight, the movie, <laughs> the camera draws back, you know. Sugar tit Kentucky. Uh, I didn't know there was a sugar tit. What, what part of the Kentucky is that in? Do you remember? Th- that's uh, northern Kentucky. Have to put that in Google Maps next. <laughs> And see see if they have a 3D picture as awesome as the uh, Swastika Mountain, but I'm betting it's kind of hard to compete here. Um, uh, I would say that there's probably lots of troubling places, you know, as far as their names, if we really got into it. Uh, sugar tit don't quite trouble me as much <laughs> as Swastika. You know, sugar tit feels a little fun. Feels a little, feels a little edgy. Sounds like it's a, a great place to maybe have a couple edibles and go. Swastika Mountain? Nah, that's that sounds like some shit in an Indiana Jones movie, man. It that it sounds bad. Yeah, that's a place you just drive through. You do not stop. You just keep driving through it. The origin story was actually pretty interesting because in this article it wrote up how the swastika used to kind of have different meanings that there was a time, I guess, in the early 1900s that the swastika was a symbol of health or something. And I guess as Hitler co-opted the symbol or whatever, you know, you, you let Hitler get a hold of something, and now everybody's got a, got a negative connotation on the swastika. Yeah, like, I've, I think I remember in history class learning about how it had been around for thousands of years and used in a lot of Eastern religions like in uh, India, like Buddhism or something. And it was like a symbol of a religion. And it's weird to go to their temples now and they just have golden swastikas hanging up on the walls everywhere. Yeah, man. People on Twitter, if they visited those sites now, they'd be like, cancel, <laughs> cancel India, you know, <laughs> like nothing happened in life before I got here. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is offensive, right? What would you name Swastika Mountain, Woody? What do you think? So, like, if you were going to come up with a, a name of a mountain, what would you call it? Uh, the Big Swazi. <laughs> why, why change it up too much? Just, just make it acceptable. <laughs> Big Swazi. The Swazizi. <laughs> Man, that sounds great. That sounds great. I was thinking of uh, something majestic, but uh, you swayed me right there. You swayed me. That's that's a great name, uh, the Big Swazi. <laughs> In some of my research uh, for this story, I've just, I have seen that there are some things that we need to change. I don't know if this crossed your awareness, but I was just looking at all these like product names that have had to change in the last couple of years, and there's an Australian product that has had to change their name, and it was called Coon Cheese, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> how did y'all make it that far? Whoa, <laughs> like." Good Lord. Like, I feel like Coon Cheese smacked me about as hard as Swastika Mountain did. I, 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 we should have, we owe Mrs. Buttersworth an apology. Just please tell me the creator of this cheese, their family name was Coon. That's the only way that you can really get away with that. I didn't go back to the origin story 
I just got smacked in my head that there was an actual company in the last handful of years named Coon Cheese. Uh, now they changed it. It's Cheer Cheese. So, you know, alliteration still works, but we've got a we got a much much more positive thing going with Cheer Cheese. So, uh, yeah, progress, progress. Uh, you know what a lot of this comes down to, though, is, is what's the values that we're trying to espouse about what we are? What are we going to teach our kids? And uh, another story came came into into my algorithm that kind of had to do with that. Had to do with uh, a single dad making some type of post on social media about wanting to teach his daughter to cook. And uh, in the post, he alluded to wanting to help her learn to cook so she can make her family happy. I guess that triggered a bunch of people. We got Swastika Mountain going up there unaddressed, but there's a shit ton of people mad at this single dad because he alluded to the fact that some people might be happy if his daughter learned to cook. Uh, we're, we're the parents of little girls now. What say you, Jonathan? Is this man a scumbag? I hope my girl grows up and knows how to cook. And the guy's explanation was, you cook to make people you love happy and healthy. Irregardless of all that, I think it's just a good life skill to know how to do. Like, whether or not my daughter grows up to have a family or just live by herself, cooking's one of those things you need to know how to do. When you run across somebody that doesn't know how to do it, it's like, damn, I feel like you're missing one of the tools to make you a complete person. Cooking is just kind of a skill. Somebody, somewhere along the way, taught me how to change oil. Somebody, somewhere along the way, taught me how to cook. Somebody, somewhere along the way, taught me, hey, Matthew, you got to wipe your own ass. Here's what you got to do, you know? Like, I've been taught a few things. It's just stuff that's useful to me. But there are some people out there that are so ideologically possessed that the minute that they think somebody's alluding to the fact that a woman should serve a man in any way, that they're getting on the internet and they're tweeting about it. This guy, actually, I think that's part of the story, is he got some negative reaction and he kind of asked, like, who was the jerk? You know, who was the jerk? And we have a segment that reflects that. It's called, Who's the Asshole? Is it the single dad that understands maybe his daughter needs to cook? Is it the people on the internet that's mad at a single dad who's trying to teach his daughter to cook? All right, so the real asshole in the story are the teachers and the principals. We haven't even gotten to that part of the story. So the whole reason the guy posted was to figure out if he was an asshole or not because of uh, an incident that happened at school where uh, I think the, the teacher was talking to his daughter about uh, why she likes to cook so much, and she gave the explanation, like, uh, I want to be able to do it for my family, make them happy one day. And that rubbed the teacher the wrong way. The teacher talks to the principal, and all of a sudden this father is getting called in for a conference with the principal and the teacher at the school. There's your assholes right there, Matthew. They're inserting themselves into something that they do not need to be inserted into. Uh, I had a family member that had an incident sort of like this where their daughter was, uh, 
I feel like getting picked on, got pushed down or hit in some way by uh, a little boy. This was when she was really young. Uh, I think even before school age, it might have been just daycare. Uh, but the teacher was like, hey, you need to accept his apology and you need to go play with him again. And my family member had to like step in and call a conference themselves and say, you're teaching my daughter to be a battered wife when she grows up. Like, I don't need you teaching her these lessons. And I can, I feel like the dad here can say the same thing. Um, she's going to school for certain things. She's not going to school for you to uh, interfere in these kind of things. Yeah, the teachers out there are kind of on a slippery slope. Part of me is empathetic to them because society has slowly started shifting more and more and more of what is expected of a teacher. Hell, they do everything for the kids now. So I'm sure it gets a little confusing. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like some of them are a little confused because you see news stories like this where a teacher is trying to instill their values instead of teach them fucking English. (laughs) Some of these people that we read in these stories about, you know, I think we have a few teachers that are kind of given the large swath of great teachers a bad vibe out here in the press. A teacher heard a little girl say, oh, I want to make my family happy. Oh, that's troubling. It's emblematic of something going on in society right now. It really is. Like This this is a funny story in a way, but it's also emblematic of something bigger where people of a, I guess what you'd call a, what's rooted in a feminist mindset are now trying to force feed to young girls the way that they have to think about their role and the ironic thing is i think these group of feminists who are trying to force feed on the population how women need to think about what their role in a family is they don't have the first clue about what it takes to be in a relationship with a man and actually make a man happy I have some sympathy for the teachers as well, uh, because when I first read this article, I thought the story was going to go a different direction. Uh, My wife loves to watch cooking shows, and one of the shows that she watches is Master Chef. Master Chef had, like, certain seasons that were purely devoted to children cooking. And when I say children cooking, I'm like, I'm not talking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're cooking five-course meals and like fine dining experiences and they're only like nine or ten years old and watching them you 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 look at their parents and you're like you're probably making them cook for you every night (laughs) (laughs) like you probably never have to cook anymore you're you have your child there cooking you fine dining in-house uh so that would be the thing that i would be watchful for not somebody that's prepping for a future of keeping the people around them happy and healthy. Uh, But yeah, the the girl in this story is 14 years old, and that's kind of the time that you start carrying your own weight. And that's that's not much different than other chores around the house, Uh, taking out the trash, mowing the yard. It's not much different if you have your child cook for you, I think. It's not different at all. 
It's just that some people are mad about the notion that a woman's role is to serve in any way. We have we have fucked up messaging to our youth that we think any form of service somehow makes you less than. Well, a lot of what this story shows is people were more concerned about the notion of a young woman serving a family they were paying more attention to that and ready to be outraged at that than noticing, oh, wait, this, this girl happens to actually be really good at this. And she enjoys it. You know, nobody gave a shit that she likes it and she's good at it and her dad is actually recognizing a talent she has. Like you said, he identified she had a talent. She, he said she's been helping him in the kitchen since she was four years old. She enjoys it. She picks out her own ingredients. He gives her like $50 and says, go to the store, pick out whatever you want to cook. Uh, do you think this story would be different if she was learning cooking from her mother or her grandmother? Because her mother passed away when she was two. So this is why he's a single father. If she was learning recipes from granny, do you think people would be as outraged? I think they'd be equally as outraged if the idea was invoked that she was going to serve and make her family happy because that that's what it is. We, can, we can't have anything traditional. We can't have anything traditional. Oh, that's the way of the past, guys. Don't do that. You, you need to date outside of the norm. You need to move your career outside of the norm. You need to do all these things. Hey, ladies, you need to go, you need to go get those CEO jobs and you need to turn into taxpayers. <laughs> That's what the fuck is going on. <laughs> they, they pulled an okey-doke on a whole generation of people. And people, and like a, a big group bought it, you know. I'm not, and I'm not saying that I'm against any of the changes. I'm married to a person where we're very 50-50. I change diapers. I cook. She might mow the yard. It ain't rocket science. She likes mowing the yard. I like cooking. A lot of a lot of what we have that as accepted messages right now is that anything traditional is bad. And, uh, yeah, I just don't agree with that. I think there are some ways... Uh, that we thought in previous eras that still work. That's why I think quiet quitting is a recipe for morons. You know, I still believe get up and hustle actually works out pretty good. I still believe, you know, I still call me crazy, but I still think my role is to defend my wife. I still think if a robber gets in, it's me who's going to get up and do something to him. I also think that if my wife cooks for me and that's an act of service, that don't mean I'm superior to her. It means she's taking care of me, being good to me. And if I'm worth my salt, I should be doing the same in some other way. Yeah, uh, how I feel about it is the more tools you have in your kit to make the people around you happy, the better. Like you said, you don't know who you're going to meet in the future or what they might be lacking in or what they might be bringing to the table. So the more tools you have, the better you're going to be. It kind of seems almost like common sense, right? <laughs> Do you have any recommendations for the people? Got a real easy recommendation. You, you, you recommended something like a year ago, how to make a 
uh, a good night, a special night. You were talking about making s'mores. Yeah. I'm going to say something similar. Make a float. I haven't had one in decades, and I had one the other night, and it brought me back to my childhood. Uh, I don't care what soda you like to use, whether it's root beer, classic cola, or cream soda, or whatever. Try a float and see if it doesn't put a smile on your face. This sounds very significant. You're having a float. You're having you're having a moment where you're treating yourself. Good for you, Jonathan. Good for you. You're going to die someday. Have a float. This is great. What kind of Coke did you have? What kind of ice cream did you have? Root beer and vanilla ice cream. Just just a standard float. And like it was never a go-to for me growing up. I I did not have floats a lot. It wasn't my number one choice of treats, but it was refreshing. I'd say don't do it all the time, but have one now. You were pleasantly surprised at how much you enjoyed this float. I'm like, wow, what a combination. Who would have thought such a combination would come together with such synergy? My recommendation is a documentary on the Peacock app. I don't know if you have the Peacock app, but it's a it's a great app for four or five bucks a month or whatever it is. There's a ton of movies, a lot of things that you get access to. And uh, a, a documentary that we watched on there was called American Daredevil, and it's about a guy named Johnny Strange. And it basically documents his deeper and deeper immersion into thrill-seeking type activity all the way up until his eventual death. And I found it really fascinating because what you see as this plays out is this guy was kind of born to seek adventure. Both his parents were like adventure seekers, mountain climbers, his mom and his dad both, you know. So, I mean, like, he is born into this, genetically predisposed to maybe be a thrill seeker. And he was absolutely a thrill seeker. His mom talked about him jumping off of stuff when he was two and three and having to make multiple trips to the hospital. She was afraid child services was going to get called because his kid wouldn't stop jumping off of things. He uh, climbed, I guess, what would be the seven summits, the highest peaks in the world. By the time he was, like, 18 or something uh, insane and eventually he got into base jumping and these videos of them base jumping are just amazing because you understand kind of why it's addictive you basically see people cosplaying as superman like they're floating over the abyss flying at a breakneck speed and uh the way the movie portrayed it is with an interest like that it's just kind of a matter of time until you're dead. People combated with Johnny Strange about this. He had other colleagues on there, who people who were also getting some pushback from friends. Um, this was a guy who was so myopically focused on seeking the thrill that uh, it's obvious he was willing to lose anything to get it. The one girlfriend he had, she was on there and she was saying, I've always been supportive of what he does. And by that point in the movie, it was obvious, like, bitch, you got to be supportive of what he does because you'll be gone. You'll be on the first train out of town if you tell him to quit doing what he's doing. That's, that's who this guy is. But just a fascinating peek into a person who needs a thrill in a way that maybe normal people can't relate to. Cool. And what did you say the name of that was? American Daredevil on Peacock. 
All right. Uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I've heard stories of, of people like that before where it's never enough. And yeah, it, they're not doing it for entertainment. They're doing it to live. Like, that's the only way they can live is to find the next thing. Yeah, this guy, he literally gets all these signs going into his last jump that are just bad. And he should quit. But it's almost like he's an addict. He's like, he knows the signs are bad. He's going to go anyway, you know? And it kind of made me think. It made me and my, it sparked a conversation with me and my wife. And I'll ask you the same thing. And I asked her, what makes you feel alive? When you think of in your life, when you feel alive, what is it? Being in nature. So could that be at a park, or do you need to be doing a certain thing at a, a certain kind of place? Uh, just a, a, a nature setting, so not necessarily uh, concrete and cement and large buildings around me. Uh, I just need to be trees, nature, trails. That's living. See, I was, that's, that's the point I was making to my wife is like, I think whatever satisfies normal people, Johnny Strange, he's got to do all this other stuff to get that feeling. Like, I, I feel alive when I'm watching my kids experience things. Sometimes that if I'm in nature, I feel alive. If I'm at a concert, I feel alive. If I'm, I've, you know, I've, if I'm making love to my wife, I feel alive. That's something, you know, I feel young. I feel whatever it is that alive is. Those normal experiences give me that. Johnny Strange is a guy who don't feel alive from doing normal things. The more and more I watched this documentary, the more and more I thought that, like, it's kind of like it's a tragic tale. It's a guy who couldn't get that alive feeling that you get from just being outside in nature or that I get from just watching my kids play a soccer game. Maybe maybe it's the psychology nerd in me, but uh, I found the whole deal fascinating, so I'd recommend it. Uh, American Daredevil on Peacock. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Brings us to the end of this one. We will see you on the next one.